When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, this week on Live in the Bream, we have all kinds of news of the day to talk about, but a very special event that we want all of you to get involved with as well. And more, chief political anchor, Brett Baer, you know him, you love him, New York Times bestseller, among many other things, world-class golfer. I feel like I can, <laughs> I can, you know, legitimately throw that in there as well. <laughs> Welcome to Live in the Brain. Hey, good to be here. Okay, I don't even know where to start right now. As we are talking, it is Tuesday. We are still swirling in the early days of the Biden administration. A lot of executive mm-hmm. orders. This is something that both parties have been critical of each other doing, but it is the quickest way for a new president to get things done, especially if they don't feel confident they can move Congress on some of the big things they want to move. Uh, Anything that stands out to you so far? Well, I think uh, some of the COVID things, you know, trying to to get a handle on um, the distribution of vaccines, um, the mask wearing. But I think the one that really kind of raised eyebrows was racial equity. One would think that we had it, you know, largely with federal um, regulation and, and how each agency is set up, but it's almost like a, a different level, something he campaigned on, but we don't really know what it means as far as implementation in housing and urban development. So essentially it means it, you couldn't discriminate against anybody, but that's already in federal law. So I mean, you're a lawyer. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I think it's more symbolic, but sometimes these things, once you have an executive action, open doors to regulations that we don't even know about yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much of that happens because we know the regulatory or administrative state has so much power of people that are unelected. Um, they are bureaucrats who are doing important work, but they do get an enormous amount of power when they're given this regulatory authority. One of the things that seems to be getting a lot of attention as well that has concrete impact is the decision to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, We heard from Alaska's governor on our show last night, a number of West Coast or Western um, governors and senators and representatives speaking out about this because these are real world impacts for them for jobs for industries that built up around the pipeline that we heard from a Native American tribe yesterday that said, you're actually hurting our ability to be um, self-determining and a lot of the jobs that we have around here too. Um, And, you know, the critique I read this morning said it's a gift to Russia. So a lot of critiquing of the Keystone decision. Yeah. And I think you heard from the Canadian prime minister uh, weighing in Justin Trudeau uh, saying that he was disappointed in that action. Um, and I think, listen, there are other things that are going to come out, these permits and, and gas um, permits that will be taken away, essentially uh, stopped, um, is something that we talked about prior to uh, Pennsylvania and uh, the concerns in, in a state like Pennsylvania where that matters. And um, I think, you know, these are all things talked about on the campaign trail, but eventually they're going to be uh, in reality in in federal regulation, and um, and that will change things. And in with a, a very slim majority in the Senate and the House, uh, twenty twenty two, you know, you start to kind of frame 
what that looks like, depending on what happens now. Mm -hmm. So they're about the business now of putting together the Biden administration formally. And there's a lot of talk of division and how the parties are, you know, evenly split in the Senate, but with Vice President Harris as the deciding vote, Democrats obviously have the advantage there in the Senate. But business still goes on. I mean, we're getting cabinet secretaries approved, important positions are getting filled. Does that speak to you that, listen, these guys who've been around a long time, like Senator McConnell, like Senator Schumer, they know there's work to be done. And as much as there may be fighting out there on Twitter and elsewhere, they are getting some actual work done. Yeah, you know, I don't think any of these big positions are in jeopardy. Uh, You know, Secretary of State Tony Blinken, Treasury at Janet Yellen, those votes are, you know, 80 to 20, Mm -hmm. sort of uh, kind of roundabout those numbers. So I think each administration gets some leeway as far as uh, the people, as long as they're they're not uh, out on on an extreme. I do think that you're going to see much more contention on some of the big issues Mm -hmm. because of the decision of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to say we are not for blowing up the filibuster. And by doing that, uh, that takes away the ability to do that for Chuck Schumer, and it gives Mitch McConnell much more power on legislation uh, to block it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about filibuster so people understand normally now to get something moving in the Senate on most big pieces of legislation, you have to get 60 votes just to get to the consideration of it. Even if Democrats have 51 votes, um, they can't just move through anything they want unless they get rid of that filibuster. And there's a lot of talk about what they could do if they got rid of the filibuster. Um, You know, statehood uh, becomes easier for places like D.C. and Puerto Rico and other territories. Could they start packing the Supreme Court? Could they add seats? Could they um, any number of things where they would just have a lot more leeway if they only need to get to 51 how steady do you think the promises are? You've talked many times with Senator Manchin. We had Senator Cinema come out yesterday, as you noted, and say this is, position is not debatable. I don't think it's good for the Senate to get rid of the filibuster. How solid do you think those positions are? I think they're pretty solid. I mean, I think, you know, you look, look at the statements. Uh, I've had Senator Manchin on and it's been pretty clear about where he is. Uh, Cinema's statement on it was pretty clear. And um, I think you could even get a couple more senators who feel that way about the process, about keeping the the tradition of the Senate um, and not doing away with the filibuster. It protects the right of the minority. Um, however, you know, there's a lot of push. I mean, Eric Holder, former attorney general, is out uh, calling for the court packing, if mm-hmm. you will, to really happen. And you have statehood push from D.C. and Puerto Rico. I don't think those are going to happen because I think that the the Democrats who've come out, Manchin and Cinema, are going to be joined by a couple others uh, on process. And that, that, I think, is what convinced McConnell to move forward with the power-sharing deal he's done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to the big story that we are days away from now as it continues to bubble is impeachment. Uh, as you and I talk, Senator Rand Paul is trying to offer up a procedural move that would block it from going anywhere. Um, I've heard a number of others, I'm sure you have potential actions that senators could take to stop this thing before it really starts, but it looks absent um, something unexpected that start February 9th in earnest, this thing is gonna be public. We're gonna start with the arguments uh, against now former President Trump being removed from office. And there are scholars on both sides of this who say it's completely unconstitutional and ridiculous. It was meant to 
get rid of an official, he's already gone. Others who will say, no, there have been unique circumstances in the past where somebody who's already gone from office has actually been tried. It sounds like the trial is happening. Yeah, uh, the trial is going to happen. Whether it falls flat and they don't obviously the 17 votes uh, to convict, I think um, is probably a safe bet, at least now. Um, I do think that there's going to be a constitutional play. Rand Paul and others are making that uh, to say that he's already out of office. And um, But there's a flip side. The Federalist Society, others have come out saying um, that it is constitutional. So I think that that's going to be uh, that'll be argued. The bottom line is that the actions that he was impeached, when he was impeached, uh, he was present. And so now that there's this delay to when the trial happens, a lot of people are going to talk about process, but Democrats won't focus on the substance of the charge and the article of impeachment of incitement of that mob. Yeah, and I've heard from a number of uh, Republicans, as I'm sure you have too, who say, I don't approve of this behavior at all. I've called him out publicly and privately. I think it was absolutely wrong and disastrous. But I don't think this proceeding is legit. So I'm going to vote no, not because I don't think he bears zero culpability, but because I don't think the way in which the House and the Senate, the Democrats are handling this is actually going to be legitimate and or help the country. Um, You know, there's some concern, I think, among Democrats that this could end up making former President Trump more empathetic to people who feel like you are just piling on. The guy is gone. Um, If you're going to waste this time going after him and holding this big trial, it's a bit of a show. And you're actually going to, among some people, potentially engender some sympathy for him. I agree. And that is a political calculation that Democrats have to make. And they're making. They're saying, um, you know, we think it's valuable to go forward on principle here. Uh, I I think Republicans are going to argue two fronts. One is the constitutionality of of kicking out a president's already left office, but also on the process in the House, which is traditionally a grand jury. uh, And it has a committee hearing that is like a grand jury. Uh, That didn't happen. This was a straight up or down vote. And when you look at that, um, I think there'll be legitimate challenges to whether it was fair to the president's defense. So looking ahead, uh, obviously, there are some who it seems like a long shot to get to conviction. You're going to have to have at least 17 Republicans, assuming all Democrats stick together to come over to that side. I don't think the numbers are there right now. Listen, nothing can surprise us. And I would say 2020 because it's still continuing into 2020. Right. This is an extension yeah. of 2020 this year. <laughs> um, anything could happen. I don't think the numbers are there right now. I'd love to hear what you think. But it's that next step that people are looking toward as well, because if they convict him, then the Senate can, with a simple majority, bar President Trump from ever running for federal office again. And, you know, I hear from folks who Clearly, the Democrats don't want to see him again, but there are some within the Republican Party who don't want him entering either their 2024 primary field because they know he'd be a serious challenge to anybody who wants to run, but also the possibility that he mounts a third party uh, run in 2024. What are your thoughts about that extra step beyond conviction? I don't think they'll get to conviction, at least looking at the cards right now. Every one of these senators is sworn in as a juror and they're going to listen to the evidence. Uh, But just taking an informal head count, um, you may lose a handful, but you're not probably going to lose 17. So unless you get to that point, then you can't follow up to the next step, which is the 51 votes needed to prevent him from running ever again. I think there are some institutional Republicans who would love that mm-hmm. because, you know, they would kind of put a nail in the 
uh, in the coffin of his political future. But, you know, a lot of them have been trying to do this for a long time, thinking that he was going to go away. Either he was not going to run for president or he was not going to be an effective candidate or there's no way he was going to win the general election. And then none of that transpired. I mean, it, it, he was a political force. I do think January 6th changed some mm-hmm. things and um, his political power. You're right in saying that there are some who think that by doing this and keeping him in the headlines and focusing on that, that in essence, he's going to build up that power again. And if it does not get to conviction, he very well could run again, or at least be a, a political player or kingmaker to some. Mm-hmm. Well, the world feels a little bit quieter now that he's kicked off all social media. And today, Mike Lindell, pillow guy, also kicked off uh, Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting now watching people paint with so broad a brush. And you mentioned January 6th. I don't know any, I really don't know any mainstream Republican or conservative who hasn't come out and condemned that, fully condemned that. And yet there seems to be... Uh, a concerted effort by many on the left to say these people are all need to be reprogrammed, deprogrammed, detoxed, um, that sort of throwing 74 million people in with the very bad criminal actors of January 6th. Does that work for the left? Does that potentially backfire as now these people feel even more divided and isolated from this message of unity we keep hearing about, um, but people who feel like they're being thrown in um, with the worst of the worst even though they would never in any way condemn or associate with that behavior. Yeah, I I think the condemnations have been loud and frequent uh, from both sides about January 6th, but stifling speech is usually not a road that ends in a good place. It usually ends with some kind of um, turnaround of, you know, populism that, that tries to get around that. Now, big tech is having a big, it's a big issue now. And people are saying, you know, why is this person okay and this person not okay? Why is the Ayatollah from Iran still on there, but my pillow guy is not? You know, like you could do the comparison contrast. They obviously have a control over their platform. I think that there's a bigger picture, a bigger conversation about free speech and what that means mm-hmm. and how it factors in politically. I think it'll be used by Republicans clearly uh, to say, you, if you want your freedom, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah, because they've talked for years about cancel culture and about conservatives being censored on most of the big tech and social media platforms. And it's almost now like big tech is proving their point for them. So they're going to have plenty of arguments about that. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk about some happy news, shall we? Mm. Um, There are positive things going on in the world. Um, Loved the update and the article in People Magazine on you and your family. Thank you. It's always so exciting to see um, Paul just continuing to grow. I mean, the the boy's getting tall. Yeah, he he's going to outpace you guys. Big time. He's right there. He's right there. I mean, it's um, eye to eye. I mean, 
he is doing so well. And for people who may not know the full story, um, he was born unexpectedly. You all were not anticipating that he had several heart issues. Um, he's been through a number of open heart surgeries and angioplasties. And you all have used this to turn around and help so many other families through Children's Hospital here in DC. So uh, tell us a little bit about the latest efforts, how Paul's doing and how people mm -hmm. can get involved to help because this is something that helps all kinds of families and children who find themselves in desperate circumstances that they could never have anticipated. Yeah. Well, first of all, Children's National is an amazing place. And it, it's not just for D.C. It's really for around the country. They do research and um, and pediatric work uh, that helps sick kids. And uh, they've been doing it really one of the best in the country. And, and that system, we try to support as much as we can. One out of 100 kids is born with a congenital heart defect. One out of 100. Uh, half of those have to have surgery in the first six months of life. Uh, Paul has had four open heart surgeries, 10 angioplasties. And his most recent one, as you mentioned, was seven weeks ago. He's doing great. Um, he's on the mend and um, in back in virtual school and, mm. and doing super. But uh, we try to raise money every year uh, for Children's National. And one of the things we do is this panel, which you have been very gracious to be a part of down Always in Naples, fun. Florida. And um, it's so fun. And it's a great group down there. But because of COVID, uh, we couldn't do it this year. So we decided to do it digitally. And it's allstarpanelevent.com, allstarpanelevent.com. We started selling tickets and we sold quite a few. And then we decided, you know what, we should open this up to anybody. Um, so we told the people who got tickets, you can get refunds. Almost all of them said, no, we want to do that donation, which is great. <laughs> um, but the best part about it is we'll have this panel event on February 13th, allstarpanelevent.com. And we'll have surprise guests and musical performances. And then there's an auction of all of these cool things. Um, let's see. Greg Gutfeld, Zoom. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Jim Nance will do your voice message on your oh, cell nice. phone. Um, these aren't things you can get other places. I mean, these are really unique. They're always amazing trips and experiences and really kind of once in a lifetime things. Yeah. And it's, so it's exciting. And, and we're, we've already gotten sponsors for the event. And uh, so we're raising a lot of money, despite the fact that we're not going to be in person and it's going to be open to the nation. And uh, hopefully we'll make a, money, a lot of money on this auction. I just got today, um, you know, baseball fan. Mm -hmm. um, there are three Yankees pitchers who pitched a perfect game. Uh, David Wells is one of them. And he got all three guys to sign a ball. Oh, wow. uh, uh, so I have the only perfect game for three Yankees pitchers. Ever. That's fantastic. So, yeah. It's cool for collectors and stuff. Yeah. And, and like I said, these are unique things um, that people can't get in other places. Not to mention the conversation that we're going to have. Let's talk about who's going to be with us and what we'll talk about. Mm. Brian Kilmeade is always fun to be on a panel. I am if there ever was uh, one. Totally. Uh, <laughs> Charles Payne, uh, you, Emily Campagno and me. Mm. And, um, you know, we've been rotating it year after year. You've made a couple of appearances um, and it's been a lot of fun in person. This time it will be digital, but um, we'll take video questions from uh, all kinds of folks around the country and um, talk about the way forward in D.C. and, and our country. And then, um, you know, have some fun with some Rascal Flats is going to make an appearance. Love a couple it. other people. I love it. Are you going to sing or rap? 
I just need to know. People I don't need know. to prepare. <laughs> or they just have to show up and find out. <laughs> it's a deep tease. <laughs> okay, so the event is February 13th. And folks, wherever you are in the world, you can join us online. What is the sign up, Brett? www.allstarpanelevent.com. Okay, I and promise folks will have a good time. Uh, they'll learn a little bit more about the mission of Children's National. National. Um, they'll be able to help uh, and, and just see other kids like Paul and so many other families who have benefited from this generous, groundbreaking, amazing place. So thank you that you guys continue to use um, your own struggles to help so many other people. Happy to do it. And thank you for being a part of it because uh, it does make a difference. And every year, you know, we, we talk to the folks at Children's and they're like, this is like a, a nonstop thing. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, they're, they're changing lives, which is great. It is. And we need good news right now. And this place is full of good news uh, and for the families and the kids who benefit from it. So, Brett, thank you for a look at the news of the week. Um, who knows what scandal will drop in the next 24 hours, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see you at six o'clock uh, for a special report. And uh, that's it for this week's Live in the Brain. Thanks for joining us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.